The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Well, good morning, and God bless you. Happy spring to every one of you. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Glory. And I'm reading to you once again from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. The Gospel of John, chapter 4. Last week I began to talk to you about lose the religion and find true faith. And today I want to talk to you about true worship. True worship. In the Gospel of John, chapter 4, beginning at the 20th verse, here the Bible says, recording a conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And in the 20th verse, the Samaritan woman says to Jesus, our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. This conversation is about worship. And today I want to talk to you about true worship. Now, I suppose there's all kind of adjectives you can use to describe worship. Insincere worship, fake worship, religious worship. But there's also true worship. Jesus said that the Father is seeking such to worship him in spirit and in truth. Here, this Samaritan woman she thought that you can only worship God in a certain place. She thought that the Samaritan worshiped God at Mount Gerizim and the Jews worshiped God in Jerusalem. So Jesus has to correct her, correct her understanding. And he's letting this woman know that there's a new economy that's about to be introduced. And in fact, it begins now. 
where you'll neither worship God in this place or another place. And he says, when you worship God that way, you really don't know what you're worshiping. But he says, we Jews, we know what we worship because salvation comes from the Jews. First, God spoke to Father Abraham that through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And we know that Jesus was born of Mary of the tribe of Judah, born a Palestinian Jew, and God raised him up. And he raised up the Jewish nation as well, that they would be stewards to carry his gospel throughout the world. But Jesus said to this woman, the hour is coming and now is. In fact, it's going to start right now. That when you worship God, you must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For God is seeking such. For God is a spirit and they that worship him must, must. Please notice, this is a modal verb must worship him. It didn't say they may worship him. They can worship him. They should worship him. No, you must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So Jesus is telling this woman that that the Father seeks a certain kind of worship. And that that worshiper is called a true worshiper. A true worshiper worships God in spirit and in truth, whenever and in whatever. In a pandemic, you worship God in spirit and in truth. Even in sickness and pain, you worship God in spirit and in truth. In an unemployment, and a lot of people have faced that over the last year, you still worship God in spirit and in truth. And even in the death of a loved one or a close friend, you still worship God in spirit and in truth. You see, circumstances don't change a true worshiper's reason to worship. Nothing can change that. Huh? Because a true worshiper, he worships God, and it's not about religion. When a true worshiper worships God, it's not about religion, but it's all about true faith. Hmm? Well, what is worship? What is worship? You talk to 10 people, different people, you'll get 10 different answers. But what is worship? Worship is the expressions of reverence to God for who he is. God is God all by himself. He is the self-existent one. He is the internal one. And he is worthy of our worship. He is our creator. He is our redeemer. And he is worthy to be worshiped. So it's an expression of reverence to God for who he is. You don't wait to worship God because he's done something for you. You don't worship God. For this, that, or the other, you worship God for who he is. Worship is more than a start and the end of a song. 
Huh? Worship is deeper than a personal feeling. Worship isn't confined to a Sunday service. And if you haven't discovered that by now, you've had over a year to discover that worship isn't confined or limited to a Sunday service. Worship should be our first response in any circumstance when we're walking by faith as a lifestyle. And we are instructed to walk by faith and not by sight. So worship should be our first response. Whatever the circumstance is, we need to worship God in the midst of that circumstance because he is still God and we worship him for who he is. So worship is not just what I do. It's who I am. It's who you are. And Jesus said the Father's seeking such that is a true worshiper who worship him in spirit and in truth. True worship is what Jesus is talking about. True worship. So what is true worship? What does it require? How does it work? You know, Paul had the revelation about true worship. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we often quote that verse, but oftentimes we don't understand the real import of that verse. Paul said to the Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is, here it is, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service is reasonable worship. It's reasonable worship. Then he wanted to say, do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God, that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and perfect will when it comes to worshiping God? So when Paul said to Romans, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, he was showing us what our true motivation should be in worship. What is your true motivation in worship? Many people worship God to get something from God. Many people worship God because of something God has done for them. You worship God for who he is. The motivation for worship is the mercies of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. What do you mean the mercies of God? God has been merciful to every one of us. God has shown great pity to every one of us. And this is what motivates us to worship him for who he is. He is our, our creator, our redeemer. He saved us by grace through faith. Then he baptized us in his precious spirit. Then he, he gave us redemption, wisdom, sanctification. He gave us love, joy, and peace. And the list goes on and on and on. All the wonderful things God gave us that we did not deserve. And because we didn't deserve it, that's our motivation to worship him for who he is. Because whatever we, we, we talk about that God has done for us, only God could have done it. 
And so we are moved, we are motivated by the mercies of God to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable worship. But you can't reasonably worship him as a true worshiper until your mind's renewed. Be ye not transformed, be ye not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It all begins with the renewing of your mind. When you get your mind renewed about which, you see the Samaritan woman, her mind hadn't been renewed. She thought you can only worship God in a certain place and perhaps even in a certain way. But Jesus corrected her and say, the hour's coming and now is that you shall neither worship God in this mountain, neither shall you worship God in Jerusalem. For God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the Father is seeking such to worship him. He is seeking a true worship. It's all about true worship. So we got to get our minds renewed. We got to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and not limited worship to a certain thing in a certain way in a certain place. But we got to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Jesus told the lawyers of, of the Pharisees. There was a Pharisaic lawyer in Matthew chapter 22. Verse 37, Jesus said to that lawyer, when that lawyer asked him, what is the great commandment? What is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The first and great commandment has to do with not only our hearts and our soul, but our minds being renewed. We must renew our minds to worship God and be true worshipers. So we worship God with renewed minds. So we worship God with our mind, our body, our soul, and our spirit. And we do that with the help of the Holy Spirit according to the truth of God's word. So true worship requires your spirit. God is a spirit. And you can't properly worship God. You can't truthfully worship God without your spirit. True worship requires your spirit. And man is the only earthly creature created with a spirit. And why was man of all of God's creation why was man the only earthly creature created with a spirit? Man was created with a spirit in order to worship God who is a spirit. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says this, And the Lord God, he formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Check this out. God formed man, the first man, out of the dust of the ground 
And then he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. When God breathed into man's nostrils, God was breathing his spirit into man. And then, and only then, man became a living being. He became a living being. In other words, he became a living creature to worship God. Now, we think about God's creation here on the earth. There's at least three main kingdoms that God created. God created the mineral kingdom. He created the animal kingdom. And then he created, he created the, the, let me say it this way. Let me get in order. He created the mineral kingdom. He created the plant kingdom. And he also created the animal kingdom. And at the very apex of that animal kingdom is man. Glory to God. Did you ever notice in the mineral kingdom, in the mineral kingdom you have many rocks, fossils, and different other minerals. But have you ever seen a rock worship God? Why haven't you seen a rock worship God? A rock will not worship God short of a miracle of God. A rock can never worship God because a rock only has a body. Then in the plant kingdom, have you ever seen a plant or a tree worship God? A plant or a tree has a body, but they don't have a soul. Then in the animal kingdom, animals have a body and animals also have a soul. But you never seen your dog or your cat worship God. You can stand before your pet, your pet dog or cat. You can begin to worship God, but that dog won't worship God. That cat won't worship God. Why? Because they only have body and soul. They don't have spirit. Only man has spirit. Only man is created as a tripart being in the image and after the likeness of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This is why God gave you a spirit. God gave you a spirit to worship him and to give him true worship. So true worship requires worship in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. Not only in your own human spirit, but with the help of the Holy Spirit. When we feel the spirit, one thing you learned about this. Those of you feel the spirit, you know this. When you feel with the spirit, heartfelt worship, it just naturally flows. You don't have to be prompted. You don't have to be prodded. You don't have to be pushed or pulled to worship God because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Heartfelt worship just naturally flows out of you. Glory to God. And Apostle Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, do not be drunk with wine. Wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. Here Paul showed us 
that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can naturally flow in true worship. We can naturally give God the worship he deserves with the help of the Holy Spirit. And what he does here, Paul compares and contrasts being filled with the Holy Spirit to being drunk with wine. He says, be not drunk with wine. What do we know about a person drunk with wine? When a person is drunk, they don't have any inhibitions. When a person is drunk, they just talk freely. They talk without compunction, if you will. When a person is drunk, they're bold. When a person is drunk, they do whatever they think they want to do. And how's it that when you feel with the Spirit, at least many say they feel the Spirit, they can never naturally flow in worship and worship God in spirit and in truth. So don't be drunk with wine, Paul says. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. Why do you need to be filled with the Spirit? You need to be filled with the Spirit so you can give God true worship. Speak unto yourselves in hymns and in, in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, singing, singing, and making melodies in your heart unto the Lord. Then Paul said to the Philippians, and he said it very pointedly. He says, for we are not of, for we are the circumcision. Philippians 3.3. 3. He says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. We are the circumcision. Now he wasn't talking about Old Testament circumcision. He wasn't talking about having your flesh cut as they circumcised in the Old Testament. No, he was saying our hearts have been cut. Our hearts have been cut with the righteousness of God and because our hearts have been cut with the righteousness of God, we are, of the, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. And these are the worshipers that the Father is seeking. Those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Glory to God. God is calling for us to be true worshipers. He is seeking true worshipers. Not those that only want to worship in the church house, among the assembly of other believers. We can worship God anytime. You can worship God during your prayer. You can worship God throughout the, your day. As you go about your day, you can still worship God. You can worship God in spirit and in truth. You don't have to travel to Jerusalem. You don't have to be at Mount Gerizim, as the, ceremony, as the Samaritan woman thought, you can only worship God in this place or another place. No, you can worship God wherever you are. You don't have to go to Dallas. You don't have to go to Tulsa. You don't have to go to Los Angeles. You can worship God wherever you are. And God is seeking such to worship him without shape, form, or formality, without Considering the posture, the position, or the protocol, you can just worship God. Glory. He says, just worship me in spirit and in truth. So true worship requires 
these three things. Number one, it requires a renewed mind. It requires your spirit. It requires help of the Holy Spirit. It requires truth. Truth. The Samaritan woman didn't have the truth. She only had a part of a truth. You see, the Samaritans, they accepted the writings of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, but they didn't accept the teachings of the prophets. So they missed out on a lot of revelation about God, a lot of revelation about what God requires, a lot of revelation about worshiping God. They just didn't know it. But true worship requires truth. And God wants us to worship him, not just in spirit, but in truth as well. Jesus said in John, John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So many people are not free when it comes to worship. They're bound. They're inhibited. It's like they, they, they have some kind of spiritual handcuff on them. They just can't worship. But Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's all about understanding the Lord Jesus Christ himself. For he also said in John 14, 6, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the truth. How can you worship God without keeping Jesus in the center if you're going to worship him in spirit and in truth? And then on the night of his passion, as he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, John 17, 17, he prayed, Father, sanctify them through thy truth, for thy word is truth. So our worship should be based on what God says in his word, not what man says. Our worship should be as God prescribes it and not what man proscribes. See, a lot of people want you to worship God like they worship God. No, you worship God in spirit and truth based on your understanding of his word, which is truth. We need to worship God. And we need to worship him in truth, spirit and in truth. So true worship always involves your mind. It involves your body. It involves your soul and your spirit. True worship is a direct re reflection of your spiritual connection and your relationship with God. True worship is always personal and connectional. And that's why you can worship God wherever you are, wherever you go, you can still worship God. So what we need to do, beloved, what we need to do we need to take the same advice Jesus gave the woman at the well. The same advice he gave to the Samaritan woman. She thought that she had a lock on worship. And she thought that the Jews also thought they had a lock on worship. Jesus says, both of you do not know what you worship. You just don't know. He was saying, your worship is wrong and the Jews' worship is wrong. Because the time is coming, now is.
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.